Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Uh, academic, you know, really esteemed academic medical centers um, teaching in their medical schools, less than 10 to 15 hours, I've heard, depending on where, um, of nutrition over four years at medical school. So you've got doctors who don't even understand the fundamental of health, which is every single food choice that you make in a day impacts your health, either positively or negatively. There's just no other way around it. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. Welcome to today's episode. I have with me Adrienne Nolan-Smith. She is a board-certified patient advocate, speaker, and the founder of WellBe, which is a media company and lifestyle brand focused on bridging the large gap between the healthcare system and the wellness movement to help people prevent and reverse chronic health issues naturally. Adrienne and I will be talking about the broken healthcare system what it means to be a patient advocate, especially if some of you have never heard of that term before, why she is so passionate about health and wellness because of her own personal healing experience, and we're also going to break down some of the wellness trends and fads that we've been hearing about lately. So I think you're going to enjoy this. Let's dive in. Welcome, Adrian. So you are a patient advocate and have created this amazing community and brand, WellBe. What inspired you to become so passionate about health in the first place? Um, Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Sarah. Um, I am really happy to be here. And um, there are so many different things that contributed to my passion and interest in um, health and wellness, but there's basically three that have really defined my story and my path. Um, The first of which was getting diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease when I was 11 years old. So I say chronic Lyme because um, it's basically uh, antibiotics don't quite work to kill the entire um, Lyme bacteria after a certain amount of time of having that Lyme disease. So a lot of people that have Lyme have chronic Lyme, which means that they didn't really catch it in time. And so 
currently there's not a lot of good treatments for this. Um, and once, you know, we tried the antibiotics and they didn't work, basically I, my mom was told by, you know, conventional healthcare doctors, like, good luck, um, and sent her on a bit of a wild goose chase to try to get me and my younger brother, who was also diagnosed with Lyme at the same mm -hmm. time, uh, better. And um, that's exactly what it was what it felt like uh, for two years, we were on a wild goose chase of different integrative therapies. And this was, you know, before Google and she was an amazing researcher. Um, and we did lots of things that I thought couldn't have been weirder. But after about two years, I was, um, you know, my, my, I was testing inactive for my Lyme and my symptoms, which were largely just really, really intense fatigue as well as um, short-term memory loss were, diminishing. Mm -hmm. um, so that was like kind of a, my first major aha moment that conventional healthcare didn't really always have all of the answers, even though they had, you know, the nice white coats and the Ivy League degrees on the wall and um, that these kind of integrative practitioners seemed to look pretty weird, <laughs> but in fact, were much more interested and willing to roll their sleeves up and do the hard work of trying whatever would work, you know, to get, to get us better. And, you know, when you're trying to heal immune, an immune system that's extremely compromised, you usually have to do a number of different things at once. Um, and so that was my introduction to integrative medicine. And, you know, now I think functional medicine is the kind of modern version of it um, and natural therapies and all of that. Um, and fast forward to um, college, I went away to Johns Hopkins, um, which is in Baltimore, Maryland. And um, I, you know, started eating in the dining hall and just living a normal college kid life. I'd had good health from, you know, age sort of 13 when I got better from my Lyme disease to about 18 when I went to college. And um, it turns out that <laughs> um, my, you know, immune system had been, I guess, sort of pretty compromised from the Lyme or maybe it was just such a large shock to my system having eaten really cleanly at home because of my family learning so much about food as medicine during the Lyme process that when I started to eat in the dining hall, you know, two or three meals a day um, in the large, you know, like Sodexo style food hall or whatever mm -hmm. it was, um, I lost my period. And um, it was about six months after I went to college that I lost it. And um, after about six months to a year of not having a period, which had, you know, been completely normal since age 12 when I first got it, um, I started to get pretty worried and I started to go to a lot of different doctors, um, both through Johns Hopkins and then back in New York and, you know, fancy gynecologists and whatever. And basically nobody could find anything wrong with me on any sort of normal blood test. And so uh, they asked me a lot of questions about, you know, have you lost any weight? No. Have you done this? No, that. No. Are you stressed? Like, not particularly. Um, and basically, I got no answers. They told me to go on the birth control pill. And having gotten pretty empowered from my Lyme experience and knowing a lot more about what it takes to heal the body, I knew that that was a temporary solution and also that there's a lot of risks with synthetic hormones. And I didn't want to be putting that in my body. So um, I said, you know, with all due respect, like that said Band-Aid that I want to know what's wrong with me and I want to heal it. And, you know, none of them really had anything to say. So off I went. And uh, luckily after some time, my father found me a naturopath in New York to work with. And she looked at my blood work so differently. And I, you know, um, started, I changed my diet drastically. I started doing Chinese herbs and supplements and acupuncture and all these different things. And she said, you know, do this religiously for six months and it will come back. And um, I wasn't even really doing the acupuncture that much, just the supplements and herbs and the diet change. And six months and a day later, it came back and it's been, you know, normal ever since. So that was a huge eye opener for me. I guess my second strike of kind of seeing the conventional healthcare system not quite be able to solve nor were particularly interested in solving um, my chronic health issues and seeing that when you give your body, you know, the right tools and the right inputs and take out the wrong ones, which was, you know, part of the diet change, um, the body can heal itself and, you know, normalize out hormonal imbalances and different things that may um, have occurred. So mm -hmm. that was my second biggest 
uh, aha moment. And then I'd say my third came shortly after. So I got my period back. I was so excited. And then about, I think about six months later or, or a year later, my mom um, had a massive um, manic episode. And it was really pretty shocking because, um, you know, she was having crazy paranoia and delusions and thinking that, you know, God was talking to her and that we were trying to kill her. And it was really mm. pretty crazy. And so we ended up having to chase her through the New York City subway system in the middle of the night, um, myself and my two brothers to, uh, you know, because she thought, you know, she, she was thought we were going to harm her or something. So we had to basically restrain her in uh, Queens. She took us from Manhattan to Queens on the subway and uh, put her in the back of a cop car and send her to some sort of like a, you know, city mental health care facility. And it was my first introduction to the mental health care system in America. And it is as bad as you expect it to be, as uh, siloed and disorganized and frightening and the opposite of a healing environment and expensive and um, jail-like, as you can imagine. And um, it was really the start of a nightmarish couple of years. Um, she was in and out of a variety of different um, health, mental health facilities um, and eventually she was so drugged up. Uh, she was like a zombie because the antipsychotics and antidepressants they had her on, a lot of the side effects included, um, you know, drooling and shaking and not really being able to speak properly and not sleeping and constipation. And so then they're sort of giving her all these other drugs too, to combat those side effects, um, which all have their own set of side effects. So it was really like not even close to a solution. It was really just like a different, Yes, it solved some of the mania, but it was just a different kind of torture for her, I think, because she felt so awful on those drugs and um, couldn't really function. You know, it wasn't really like the quality of life was just as bad in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so eventually she um, she took her life a few days before uh, Christmas 2010, so a little over eight years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, it was right before I was actually applying to business school. Um, and I didn't exactly know why I wanted to go. I just knew that I wanted to do something that was actually going to improve the world. And um, it was sort of probably naive thinking, but I felt that it was important to do meaningful work. And I wanted to figure out what that was. And I thought maybe business school was a good opportunity to do that. Um, and uh, I'd been working at IBM at the time and I didn't feel like that was really my calling. So, um, as I was applying, this all happened and I didn't think I could finish any of the applications because I was pretty incapacitated. Um, and basically some you know, friends of mine banded together and were really sweet about trying to help me get some drafts out. And they said, no, you have everything else all ready to go. Like just get at least two applications at the door. Like you can do it, whatever. And you know, staying up all night and all of that. So I did. And um, I swore to myself at that time, if I got into business school, I would use it to change career paths and work on transforming the healthcare system for the rest of my life to one that was more root cause driven. So I believe that the answer to you know, all of our healthcare problems and with costs and runaway disease rates is all related to the fact that physicians don't practice really root cause medicine. It's more of a symptom management or disease management system where you kind of, you know, a little bit of like a pill for an ill uh, mentality, you know, for everything, mm -hmm. for most things. And certainly for emergency care, you know, where you get run over by a car or you get sick in a foreign country, like you better believe that we all want the full power of the conventional healthcare system with their antibiotics and their, you know, life-saving surgeries and things like that. But for chronic health issues, um, you really have to get to the root cause of understanding why it's happening and then heal that in order for it to actually stay away and in order for it to not cause more harm over time by treating just the symptom. Um, because, you know, often the things that treat symptoms also have their, you know, potential harms. Like, overprescription of antibiotics or overusing steroids or drugs that really uh, 
tax the liver and, you know, end up causing like liver failure and things like that. So um, that's kind of what I've been working on since I went to Northwestern in Chicago for business school. And the whole time I was there, I was trying to figure out exactly what form um, this should take. And I ended up working in the healthcare system for three years with hospitals after business school um, on chronic disease management programs. And it was just so depressing, um, to be honest. But I also learned so much about, you know, what I thought was wrong and really seeing it up front and, you know, up close um, with the system. And, uh, and finally, I felt that working on the inside of the healthcare system really wasn't changing what I know needs to be changed about, you know, switching from this kind of disease care system to really a holistic root cause healthcare system. And so I quit my job um, in March of 2017 and founded something called Wellbe, which is what I um, am working on now. So um, one other thing, and I, I think you may ask me some questions about this because um, it's something a lot of people don't know about, but around the same time I studied for and took my um, exam to become a board certified patient advocate. So I can talk more about that later, but that's my whole journey <laughs> and sort of everything about why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Thank you so much for just sharing that and letting everyone get to know you better, but also seeing how the resilience to find the answers, especially when, you know, you were saying, oh, you know, birth control, this isn't a, this is a bandaid, right? And, and what you did was say like, no. And I think that so many of us, at least in the beginning of our health journey, were afraid to say no and to stand up for ourselves and not see the white coat as some sort of like divine being. Um, and like you said, there's, there's absolutely a time and a place for especially emergency care and acute care. And, but what you've experienced, what I've also experienced is that oftentimes our conventional healthcare system does not treat the root cause of chronic illness. And that's where I think so many of us just feel like kind of bitch slapped. Like we're just like, like we're in a freaking tunnel, like bum, 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 bum. Like, what do we do? Doctor, 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 doctor. Like you just, you feel like you've been thrown around. Um, Yep. <laughs> so, and I think it actually, I've talked about this to a lot of my clients and women in my community. They actually experience like some almost PTSD from that experience in itself of just feeling so whipped around and um, unheard and, and not understood. So I would love for you to tell us what it means to be a patient advocate uh, and the importance of patient advocates, especially in the field of chronic chronic illness and mental health. I'm really glad you brought up mental health today as well. Uh, and some of those harder to diagnose diseases like Lyme disease. Yeah. So um, to be a patient advocate um, is, uh, means that I am technically licensed to sort of navigate people um, and explain to them different treatment options based on you know symptoms or even something they've already been diagnosed with. Um, so it's really kind of sad that the healthcare system now requires this as an actual position within it, because it really means that people are frustrated, people are lost, people aren't being heard, people, the, the, the administrative component of getting things paid for and reimbursements and insurance and um, faxing and patient portals and things not getting from one person to the other as far as like coordination between providers is really, I think it's, it's just a disaster really. Um, and it's a disappointment because the technology is there. We just are choosing not to um, really utilize it to its full potential. And also because we've created a system where, you know, it's very specialized and people are just a cardiologist or just a, endocrinologist or just a, a, a gynecologist. But what we realize now, especially after the microbiome project and understanding how much of hormonal health and mental health and digestive health has to do with the gut 
you know, gut health, um, is that you can't really look at everything in a siloed way. If you want to understand how to treat a mental health condition or a cardiovascular, you know, heart condition or a hormonal condition or a women's health, you know, fertility type condition, you have to look at the entire body. And there are so many clues and connections, but everything is completely related. And so, you know, even like pain and mental health are so connected. So, um, to, you know, each, each of these organs are sending messages to each other all day long. And, um, to think that we can just kind of hear about some symptoms in silo, you know, that have to do with the brain and, and just throw a really powerful medication with tons of side effects at it without thinking about, you know, what people are eating. And if they're over, doing it on, you know, other over-the-counter drugs or antibiotics that has now destroyed their gut and is, you know, letting some sort of a violent parasite, you know, take control and even affect the brain that way. Um, we don't do any of that. And there's so many ways to naturally um, get out in front of a lot of these conditions. Um, if you're, you know, I've, we interviewed an integrative psychiatrist who talked about, you know, like, anxiety and depression are, you know, sleep disorders until proven otherwise to me. So, you know, just even that component, I mean, how many psychiatrists really get in-depth information about sleep from somebody before they, you know, hand over some sort of a prescription? Mm-hmm. Hardly any. So um, I think it's, it's sad to me, but I'm, I'm happy that my skills can, you know, everything that I learned within the healthcare system can also be paired with my interest in making sure that people get to the root cause of health issues and heal them naturally, um, that this board certified patient advocate role kind of came about. So at the moment, I'm not working, you know, like working privately with coaching people through these issues, or it's more like navigating than coaching. Um, But I will on occasion, and, you know, I'm just sort of using it to inform my work with Wellbe, which is, um, you know, media and lifestyle brand that's really helping to connect the dots between the healthcare system and the wellness movement through our, you know, events and content and e-learning resources and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Where, just for people who have never heard of patient advocates before, if someone's like, oh my God, that would be amazing to have somebody help me navigate this healing process and all the options that are available to me, how would they work with a patient advocate or where would they find one? Um, well, they can always reach out to hello at getwellbe.com and I can try to navigate them from there or see if it makes sense to, to do something with me. But um, another resource is that now I think there's an actual directory of board, I think it's the, the acronym is um, you know BCPA. So if you just Google board certified patient advocate or BCPA, there's a governing board that you know oversaw the licensing exam and that also has, you know, a listing, I believe, of everybody who's passed the exam. So that's one place to look. Um, I'm pretty sure that all, everybody would be listed there, but I'm not 100% positive. Yeah. It's pretty new still. Yeah, you made a good point. It's like, but we, you know, we do need this, right? Because people are, there's doctors who are just doing the gynecology or just doing like they're a heart surgeon or whatever their specialty is. And it's almost like the the lines aren't being connected from place to place to be able to, to paint the whole picture and for people to understand, or even your different specialists to be able to communicate with each other, to put everything into perspective for you so you can make the most informed and educated and empowered decision. So we've talked about this healthcare system and I know you have, you've, you've, you've been in it, right? Like you've not only been a a client and a patient within it, but you've also worked in it as a professional. So based on your experience, why do you think our healthcare system is so broken and how do we start to bridge the gap between healthcare and then all the wellness movements and uh, naturopathic medicine and functional medicine that are kind of taking flight these days? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So I think the healthcare system is broken for a couple of different reasons. I actually just wrote an article for for Dr. Axe on this um, last week. But um, one reason is, I think, as I mentioned, if you're not 
treating root causes and about 80% of our healthcare costs in America are related to chronic illness, then you're just creating this kind of um, monster of different treatments and tests and uh, drugs being prescribed with without an end in sight really, right? Because if you don't get to the root cause, then you're not actually solving the problem. It's something that that person's then gonna have to deal with indefinitely, which is just astronomical as far as, um, you know, in, in, or I, much more than an inconvenience, I was about to say, but a, you know, a real sore on their life as they kind of try to uh, constantly be dealing with these doctors and, you know, prescriptions and tests and all these other things throughout, you know, maybe decades, um, while still having some of those symptoms, or at least being on something quite powerful that then gives them, you know, symptoms in the form of side effects. Um, but also it doesn't, uh, you know, it just, it, so that's, I would say the first major issue with the healthcare system is that we're, um, not treating, you know, root causes and therefore creating a litany of these health problems that go on forever, right? Like people have now high blood pressure for decades, like 40 through 80 years old, they might be dealing with that and taking like, uh, you know, Lipitor or something like that for indefinitely and thinking that that's just fine, that they can continue eating whatever the heck they were eating and having high blood pressure, but taking this medication, which, you know, has its set of side effects um, and long-term health consequences forever. And so, you know, versus, oh my gosh, I have high blood pressure and actually working with somebody to figure out the root causes of that change those lifestyle and, you know, diet uh, behaviors, as well as looking under the hood to see if there's some sort of, you know, hormonal or gut imbalances that might be contributing to that. Mm -hmm. um, and then healing it. And so maybe that takes a couple of years, maybe that takes two years, but then it's over. And, you know, this person isn't just indefinitely paying into the system. They're able to keep their savings and their premiums aren't going up. And, um, they're, you know, not uh, just an indefinite patient. So I think that's one of the issues. The other issue is that just the way that the, the, healthcare the, the healthcare education system has developed is that you've got uh, academic, you know, really esteemed academic medical centers um, teaching in their medical schools less than 10 to 15 hours, I've heard, depending on where um, of nutrition over four years at medical school. So you've got doctors who don't even understand the fundamental of health, which is every single food choice that you make in a day impacts your health, either positively or negatively. There's just no other way around it. And depending on what you read, they, people say it's about 70% or 60 at the least, 60 or 70% of your um, health is determined by what you eat. And then, you know, the other lifestyle components of exercise and, you know, whether or not you smoke and whether you do, you know, mindfulness activities and take natural therapies or whatever else is a component of that. And then maybe about 10% is this kind of genetic predisposition component, right? So um, that's huge and such an opportunity. And if you've got the people who are supposed to be in charge of your care, not really knowing that much about it, it's not their fault if they're not taught, then you're just setting every single patient experience up for disaster because the single easiest component, which is starting with diet, doesn't really get addressed or isn't even seen as that important. It's sometimes even laughed at, you know, oh yeah, yeah you, can, you can't like broccoli your way out of this or whatever, um, which is, you know, one of the detriments of uh, the system we've got going on right now. So I think those two are, are two of the, the fundamental problems. And then the third problem that makes it so broken, I think, is that it's kind of this insurance first system. So when you have the entire system is set up around something called disease codes. So you basically have to already have a disease or some, you know, symptom to get something paid for. So if you don't, if you're trying to be proactive in your health and you are trying to get acupuncture or you're trying to get, you know, um, let's say a, a medical massage that you don't have to go get a surgery because you've been dealing with, you know, a back injury from a sports thing. If you're trying to do that without a confirmed diagnosis, you know, that a doctor gives you, um, then you can't get it paid for. And so what it does is set you up for a system where you don't do anything for your health until it's already kind of too late, until you're already dealing with some kind of a condition. So 
because insurance decides who you can see and what you should, you know, whether or not you've got a disease code or not, and therefore it's not reimbursed. And with a very expensive healthcare system, for most people, if it's not reimbursed, you're probably not going to do it, right? So with that leading the charge as far as uh, incentivizing people and providers and stuff like that, um, nobody has any incentive to really do anything until they're already sick. And also, furthermore, there's very few natural therapies and functional integrative medicine doctors and you know, practitioners that are covered by insurance. So it just keeps out a lot of people that don't really want to go outside of their insurance to get anything health-related paid for. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the three major issues. Um, <laughs> they're all connected, but I think if we could work on the insurance component of this, and the root cause medicine approach being taught in medical schools, those two things would, and, and kind of um, getting a little bit out of the, the hyper focus on having specialists. Um, obviously some specialists are very needed. Like I don't want somebody operating on my back that hasn't operated on thousands of backs already, right? But when you're talking about, again, chronic health issues, that's where you, specialists are, I think, not as effective because it's not taking all the different components into into account. Um, so those, if those two changes could could be made, I think our healthcare system um, issues would reverse quite dramatically. Mm-hmm. So you were just starting to talk a little bit about how we bridge that gap. But for example, I actually this morning made an appointment. I just watched this documentary Root Cause on Netflix and was so inspired to go uh, make an appointment with a holistic dentist. So I called them this morning and uh, my health is very important to me and I'm very, very willing to invest in my health, but it's going to be $640 for the first appointment. And so how do we start to bridge that? Like, I, I'm someone who I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's, it's worth it. I, I see the value of investing in that. But in what other ways do we start to bridge that? Or how do we even as, as patients or people who have chronic illness start to determine what wellness movements or big fads like celery juice and the medical medium are fads versus which ones are really worth investing in and spending our time and money on. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so I feel like those are two different things. Like how, how are normal people supposed to pay for functional integrative medicine at these costs that you're describing, like $600? Yeah. yeah. And then the second component is, you know, what's really worth spending your money on? What's sort of like fatty? Um, mm-hmm. Not fatty with a D, not fatty with a T. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, two major issues and great questions. So I would say on the side of how can we expect all people to pay for this? Absolutely. I mean, I think most people do not understand that health is everything until you have an issue or lose it. And then you can't, it's like, well, there's no other thing in life I should be doing but dealing with this because I can't really function in my normal life without getting this fixed or under control. And so um, it's the kind of foundation, right, to then launch off and have a healthy career and have a happy relationship and have friends and be able to do, you know, the things that you want to do. And if you don't have your health, all of those things sort of fall apart. But it's very hard for people to understand that until they've really been personally affected. So I don't expect that everybody would just kind of take my word for it, that mm-hmm. it's worth it to put the money in to get you know, somebody who's really knowledgeable about looking at you holistically to be the person that takes care of your health. Like Those two things, I think, should be a fundamental foundation um, for everybody. But um, I completely understand that these costs are insane. And the issue is that it's a simple economic model, right? There's a lot of demand for this kind of medicine now because so many people have chronic health issues and because there's finally a different way of approaching them um, and people are having success with it. And then there's just not enough of them because it's not what conventional medical schools are spitting out. So people have to go and do additional 
fellowships and certifications and things to get these licenses. Um, and of course, you know, these osteopathic and naturopathic medical schools are smaller, so you're just not able to produce the numbers that the conventional healthcare system can produce as far as doctors. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge discrepancy, right? And when there's a, you know, huge demand for chocolate and not much of it, the price goes up. So mm -hmm. same thing, the price is really high at this point. But the two things that I think can work um, to bring them down is having a lot more demand, consumer demand, and sort of voicing to the conventional healthcare system and insurance companies that this is what you want um, will create a lot of movement within the system about people, more people getting these certifications or functional medicine and integrative, you know, therapies and clinical trials and stuff happening um, and being taught in conventional medical schools. So that's, I think, one thing that hopefully will bring these costs down. Mm -hmm. um, another is if you're having a serious health issue, like do not be afraid to go to something like you know, uh, I think there's like a sort of a GoFundMe or I know of a different one that's based out of Chicago. I can't remember the name right now, but it was a similar kind of like crowdfunding for healthcare issues. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, there's wonderful people out there who have absolutely no problem donating to something like somebody's healthcare, um, especially because that's so clear cut versus just kind of like charity in general. You know, you don't mm -hmm. know where that money goes exactly, right? So um, I think that's something that it's worth trying and worth doing. Um, and um, I've seen people have success with that. So I think those are two things to try. Um, and then I think as far as what is, you know, just fad, and you mentioned celery juice in the medical medium, which is the most insane fad. I mean, I've had so many people mention it to me. It's really unreal. Um, <laughs> I mean, he has quite a grip on all kinds of different people. It's just wild to me. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then also kind of what's, uh, you know, what's really rooted in, in science and worth doing. And I would say that um, I have a friend who has horrible, lifelong psoriasis slash eczema. I'm not exactly sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, has basically used more steroids than every, any human on earth should. And she's kind of, sh her gut health is just a mess at this point. And she can't seem to, every month that goes by, her skin is more reactive, more sensitive. Everything sets her off. I mean, you know, everything. And so she's, you know, it's compromising her in so many ways. It's burning her. She can't sleep. It's obviously all over her when she's at work, which is, you know, very awkward. and. Um, Sometimes she can't even go to work. And she mentioned something about doing the celery juice, whatever. And I said to her, that is, so that's, that's it. That's all you're going to change. You know, you're just going to start drinking some celery juice with everything that you're going through. Like, don't you want to have somebody who's really knowledgeable, who can do all of the amazing different tests that functional medicine has to offer, kind of look at your case and look at your gut and you know, figure out like exactly what is wrong and then help you to utilize, you know, exactly those therapies that might be most beneficial. Say if it's a, a bad gut health situation, for example, like may not necessarily be celery juice for you. It might be bone broth and kimchi and, you know, a certain kind of probiotic and, you know, these sorts of other uh, tools. Whereas, if your problem is entirely liver related, like maybe celery juice is your issue, you know? So there's a lot of different things that you could be doing, but I'm sort of of the mindset that isn't it better to get somebody to use everything that testing and science and their education has to offer to understand which things exactly are best to be doing for you? Mm -hmm. You know, similar to like choosing a supplement, right? There's thousands of brands and thousands of different supplements that can all do something for you. And I think there's a tendency once you are taking any supplements to just kind of keep throwing them on there because everyone's like, oh, you should take blank. Like it really helps with this and that. And that sounds great. Like, you know, but over, over time and just in general, like taking dozens and dozens of different supplements a day will just burn you out of taking any, you know, and then you can't even stomach one more. Um, which has happened to me. And what I realized is it's not just that everything is good for you. You have to know based on, you know, again, testing and your micronutrient levels, like what do you need to be taking? Because you've got 
you know, let's say low vitamin D and you've got a thyroid condition. And so you need to take vitamin C to support your adrenals, which are very connected to your thyroid or, you know, whatever the mix of things might be, like have it be really uh, systematic. Don't just kind of throw things at the wall. And so with regard to some of these fads, that's kind of my take on it. And my advice is that if you have a particular issue that you know about or can feel that you are sure this fad or this you know, natural treatment is perfect for you for that. Um, and it couldn't be anything else. And you're, you know, you've either talked to a professional about that, or you've done a lot of extensive research on your own, then fine, um, go for it. You know, I, I always feel like celery juice is never going to hurt you. Like if you believe that that's going to help you and it does like, that is awesome. Think what a cheap way to solve your issue. But at the same time, like, you know, just doing that and thinking that one fad that you read about on the internet is the answer to like a serious chronic health issue or getting too carried away with something like, uh, you know, like people were doing with like juice cleansing, you know, where it's just like, it can end up being somewhat harmful in a way to the body um, or some sort of like, you know, fast that's, that's really way too long or whatever it might be and getting into the dangerous area. Just make sure you know why you're doing it and, you know, do enough research to know that it's not just like one guy, medical medium talking about it, but look at a couple of other sources. Like make sure that you really understand the science behind celery juice and why you might be using it and which part of you, um, you and your health journey needs that at this time and then go for it. And I would say also when you're doing something like that, play cl pay close attention to if it's working or not. I know a lot of people who get in to start, you know, certain uh, natural therapies or different fads and do them for years. And if you ask them like, oh, okay, well, did it fix your whatever problem? And they're sort of like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, what? you didn't think to kind of check in and track that while you were starting this or, you know, not, not start four therapies at once, maybe do them, you know, a little bit separated to see if one is making a larger difference and then really commit to that one or, you know, like all these things, it's just kind of funny that some people just don't think to measure it until they've already started it. And then it's kind of a useless exercise because they didn't really understand if it worked or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So does that answer that question? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, you know, people reach for the fad, they're well-intentioned and often desperate just to try to find something to help. But what I think we fail to realize sometimes out of oftentimes desperation is that we are also individual and we're also unique. And even if let's just use celery juice as an example, you know, 90% of the population thrives on celery juice. Like you could still be in that 10% that like I, I had excess oxalates in my body. So celery juice, if I drink it every day actually could harm me. So when you don't know the, the environment of your body, I think that's where it just becomes not always dangerous, but it's like, it just gets complicated. And so to, I, I totally agree with you, like do it with intention, understand really like the whole, the whole framework of your body by, by getting a good picture of it before we dive into things and don't do it in a, a systematic way, like you were mentioning. So that's really helpful. Uh, yeah. So I remember like my, um, somebody mentioning to me something about how I had to use like a cast iron pan Mm -hmm. Um, and I like, I'm very concerned about, you know, Teflon and plastics and stuff like that when, mm -hmm. with cooking wear and in general. So I was looking for a, a pan, you know, that was non-toxic and, uh, we got the iron one and then I just happened to have a blood test. Uh, I'm sorry, the cast iron one. And I had happened to have a blood test, um, from my naturopath that week. And she was just talking about how, you know, she sees my other members of my family and we all have this tendency to it's like a genetic predisposition to um, hemochromatosis, which I don't have because it's a like a I don't have um, the genetic mutation. I just have like the risk for it or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I happen to see it also on Twenty Three and Me, like several months later. Um, but basically, it just means that your liver or your your body has a harder time processing iron, and mm -hmm. so I have to just be like a little bit careful with um, how much iron I take in at once and a lot of the cast iron, you know, people say it's great because you actually get some iron in your food from the pan mm -hmm. um, when you're eating. And like, don't you always want that? And it's just, you're, like you said, it's like 
I'm sure people who are saying use a cast iron pan are well-intentioned. And in a way, of course, they're right over, you know, Teflon or one of these things with chemicals in it. But at the same time, it's so individual. It's so complex. Like, had I not known that I had trouble, you know, and kind of went all in on this cast iron pan and was using it, you know, three times a day to cook my food, like maybe that would have ended up causing me harm. So you really have to understand these intricacies and, you know, look up your genetic testing and, you know, get these other blood work components done and um, feel like you're with someone who's really willing to dig and Mm -hmm. who's really knowledgeable and talks to you in depth about all the different components. Like you, if you go to a doctor who says like, we'll call you if there's anything weird about your blood work, like get out immediately. That is a terrible doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a lot, I think, for probably a lot of people to take in because they're like, oh, crap, I've been drinking celery juice or I've been, or whatever it is, you know, or, or they just are like, you know, where, how do I navigate all of these different practitioners or, or maybe they feel discouraged because they realize too that the healthcare system is broken and, or have been a victim to some extent of that. So how can we kind of in, in, inspire some hope into people as we finish up here and, and what uh, action steps could anybody start taking a day to start to work towards their wellness in a, in a really beautiful, supportive and holistic way? Yeah. So I think it's actually a pretty encouraging time despite the healthcare system being broken, because I think for the first time, there's a real movement towards people taking back their power um, and understanding that you are your doctor, really. You're the CEO, the boss, the executive director of your body and your health. Like, no matter what anybody else says, like, you have to live in this vessel, you know, for maybe 100 years. And uh, therefore, it's really up to you about what you want to do with it. And it's so encouraging and inspiring to see things like, you know, the blue zones and see that people are living without chronic illness today, you know, to well over a hundred or just seeing a lot of the research that's finally being done on, you know, non-pharmaceutical type uh, therapies and and dietary changes and stuff like that to see that um, when you actually live in a way that encourages health, you can avoid a lot of these common illnesses. And I hate to say, you know, avoid the healthcare system. Like, you're kind of living off the reservation, but in a way, that's my goal. I hope to pretty much never be in a hospital ever again, um, and if I can help it. And and also, you know, I access only practitioners and doctors that I know are going to try their hardest not to really do any additional, you know, treatments with me or um, prescribing things or really work to just in, get my body to heal itself with any health issues and to really empower it in that way. So. Um, I think it's a really awesome time that we finally have a lot of research and science coming together with um, this more natural and holistic approach to living and to health. And so I think there's so many wonderful resources. Hopefully, Wellbeing can be one of them for you guys. But um, also, you know, certainly Sarah's podcast and just in general, there's so much content. And yes, it, some of it can be confusing and overwhelming and too much you know, emphasis on celery juice and this and that. But we have pretty much everything we need to live chronic, free, chronic disease free and you know, to 100 at our fingertips. It's just about a matter of having the right tools and knowing what you need to really do that. And so um, I, you know, it's been laid out time and time again I think it's hard hard to implement in the modern world because we have you know so much uh, fast food and on the go and nobody has time for cooking and this and that. But you know, eating real organic foods, you know, mostly plants, um, with coupled with you know frequent movement and getting off you know devices and connecting with loved ones and having joy and laughter in your life and, you know, healing things that are chronic with as natural an approach as you can to really empower your own body. And that is, you know, the foundation of what you need really. And so I think when you see it in a more simple way, instead of a more like everything is going to kill you and it's the healthcare system is broken, then it's really kind of empowering. Like it's up to you. And I think that's pretty awesome to know that I don't have to necessarily except for maybe some testing, rely on, you know, a lot of other people that I don't even know um, to, you know, 
be whether or not, you know, decide whether or not I'm going to be sick or not. It's, you know, a lot, it's a lot of what I can do every single day to Mm -hmm. make sure that I heal chronic health issues and also um, prevent, you know, ones from occurring in the future. Yeah. I love that. You're right. It's, it's all those little choices that we make every single day. So where can people learn more and start following WellBe as well as you? Uh, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Um, you can find me at um, getwellbe.com. So WellBe is the name of my company. We have a weekly newsletter. We also have a podcast called the WellBe Podcast um, and, um, you know, obviously a website and we're quite active on Instagram, Facebook, and, um, YouTube. So it's at get Wellby at every one of those places. So our website and all of our different channels. Um, and, um, I'd love to, we have, you know, a website that I'm sorry, we have an email address on our website that you can easily reach out to with any questions about anything that we've talked about or any piece of content that you see on the site or whatever else. Um, so I'm, I think pretty quick about responding to people. So I'll hopefully be able to chat with you there um, or on Instagram. And um, I'd love to have you as part of our, you know, community and hopefully a lot of what I'm talking about and Sarah talks about um, uh, are similarly valuable in, in your quest to kind of, you know, heal these chronic health issues and treat them naturally when they arise. Great. Thank you so much for your time today. And I so appreciate you being on. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Healing Uncensored podcast. I love you guys so much. I got a message from a listener the other day that literally brought me to tears. I really just want to express all my gratitude to all of you for taking the time to listen. I know your days are jam-packed and you have so much on your plate. And if this can just be that little spark of hope in your day, then that means the world to me. That's the purpose of this podcast, to show up, to tell the uncommon stories and to show alternative other ways to healing beyond food on a soul level. So again, thank you so much for your support today and every time you put in your earbuds or listen to the podcast in the shower or the car or while you're making dinner or wherever you're tuning in. Again, I love you. I thank you. And it would mean so much to me if you would just take a minute to go rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Again, I I really, truly appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time.